Breathe. Nervous. Try the nostrils. Okay. Um, nervous every time. Aurora comes from Rio de Janeiro. She dances in a little street cafe. And when you're down in Rio de Janeiro, here's what you'll hear each Latin lover say. You're a sweetheart in a million. Oh, Aurora. Livy, I think you should do the honors. Uh, I'll try not to mess it up this time like I did last yeah, time. Ruined everything. Shaky Town Radio is on the air. I'm Libby Ward. I'm Bob Schreiner. And I am Brody Foster Hubbard. How's everybody doing? Great. I I was talking to the audience. (laughs) I thought you were talking to the audience. I was waiting for everyone at home to respond to you. I'm going to be in the audience, so I thought I'd just fucking answer you now. (laughs) You're welcome. Rude. (laughs) Um, It's July. It's summer. It's toasty. Uh, We're enjoying some nice cold coffee. I don't remember a summer being this warm in recent years. Yeah, yeah. I've been in Los Angeles seven years now, and there's been some pretty hot L.A. summers. Yeah, my first year, five years ago I moved here, it was my first summer, and I was in North Hollywood, and my building is kind of has some oven-like features. <laughs> a giant sun-exposed window that's 90 feet tall. It's a really smart idea if you're into construction. <laughs> so my place would get really hot and when I first moved in there's no central air which coming from Phoenix is like you know like a 90 year old Jewish man on a subway like how do you people live like this <laughs> but uh, it was so miserable the, the air conditioning was just a little wall unit that was older than me and my roommate at the time just slept at his work because he worked at a, like a post production house so he's like yeah there's couches in my office I'm just going to go sleep there you know, it was sort of like a, well, God, you know, good luck to you. I hope, I hope you make it. And I made a little, I remember getting a bed sheet and putting it over an inflatable mattress and putting it, put, tucking the sheet in, pulling the wall unit out, fitting the sheet around it and pushing it into the wall. And then it was so cold that I had to go put on all these clothes. But so it, was, it was just a, a miserable struggle to find the perfect balance. You know, speaking yeah. of the perfect balance. Yes, let's talk about that. In life, there's what we love to do and there's what we have to do. And if you love art, then you want to do art as you're living. Yes. And that's what we talk about on the show. People who come to Los Angeles or live in Los Angeles, and that's what they try to do. Our guest today is somebody who does that for reals. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> A role model for me. She's shocked by her, Good by Lord. her own yeah. day. An inspiration, somebody who lives her life as an artist's life in a very true way. Aurora Lady. I feel like I need to hide out in the restroom. <laughs> it's like a lot, of, a lot of pressure on me right now. It's like, do you feel like you just walked into a surprise party? I know, it's really I'll nice. find you, there's only one restroom. Just <laughs> <laughs> the way to that segue sink in. <laughs> it's like everyone is Parker Lewis here except for me. <laughs> <laughs> you would be Parker Lewis's, uh, you feel like his sidekick with the big overcoat. Yeah, the, the one glasses. with the swatches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like that guy. <laughs> he ended up doing like Reese's peanut butter cup commercials. What was that about? What happens to everybody in Los Angeles eventually? <laughs> Probably lucrative. Yeah. yeah, everyone in Los Angeles specifically advertises Reese's peanut butter cup. That's what <laughs> the old Andy Warhol saying. 
in the future, everybody will do a 15-minute Reese's. You know, but I have to add. And if you're listening, Reese's, I am free next week. Let's <laughs> talk about the terms. I, I think there'll be some peanut butter in it for you. One can only hope. <laughs> Aurora is a portrait artist and girl pop visionary. She does portraits. She does illustrations. She will draw on your t-shirt. She does zines. And that's actually how we met was through our mutual friend, mm-hmm. Taryn Hip. The awesome, amazing Taryn Hip. Yes. Yes. So um, you, Taryn came to town. I had... I, I gave up, uh, or I volunteered my house as kind of the ground zero for Taryn time. And um, so, yeah, all these strangers came to my house, and Aurora and her husband were two of them. <laughs> and you brought vegan Rice Krispies. I know. I love to bring food places. Yeah. It's like my thing. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good time. It was nice to meet different people in L.A. It's weird how um, neighborhoody LA is. Like you mm-hmm. see the same people all the time. So when you get outside your neighborhood, it's like, who are you? What am I supposed to do with this? How are we going to be friends? <laughs> <laughs> and when you especially when you first approach it, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen because all the neighborhoods are so starkly different. Yeah. Like if you're in Pasadena and you're even from Pasadena to Burbank, it's dissimilar or Venice to bank or you yeah. know all those places look different so it just seems so subcultured you know like how yeah. am i ever going to find hundreds of my people to be friends with and then right. it happens in a night yeah like, oh that's how are. and then those friends all have friends and yeah wonderful that's that's how disneyland la is <laughs> awesome. and you're in one of the most disneyland towns of it's pretty adorable. The greater LA. Yeah. You're in Pasadena. Yeah, I love Pasadena. When I first moved here, I moved to West Adams, and that was like major culture shock to me. And I think about that place now and compare it to Pasadena, and it's like, how, how are these even within 20 miles of each other? It's bizarre. Where did you move from? I'm from Fresno. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nothing well, to say about Fresno. I think you have plenty to say about that. Oh, no. You've been reading my tweets. <laughs> what was your childhood like? <laughs> have you guys listened to that show? It's, um, what is it called? Um, the Men- Mental Illness Happy Hour? No, but that sounds it's like Paul fun. Paul Gilmartin. Yeah, I'm um, totally obsessed with it. Yeah. Um, basically, it's like almost a two-hour show, and he just talks about, like, um, mental struggles and like things that happen in your childhood that define who you are now and it sounds really awful and some of it is but um, it's it's really good it's kind of cathartic so hmm. yeah it seems to me like one of those I don't know, like hearing um categorically hearing people's problems like that is very helpful mm-hmm. like in the way that you know when I was an undergraduate I volunteered for a writing workshop and I saw people with writing issues that I didn't have but the collective of them Made me such a better writer. Yeah, yeah. So. I think that's kind of the vibe he's giving off. It definitely helps. It's like kind of soothing by the end of it. Like, you're not alone. I think that's the tagline, too. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, we could talk about our childhoods if you want. <laughs> I was kind of just putting it out there because I had been listening to it all week. <laughs> but, yeah, um, I didn't grow up in Fresno. So, okay. Yeah. 
um, I kind of grew up up and down the state and ended up here. Yeah. Uh, you did spend some time in Fresno, though. I mean, I've, I've seen, like, press of yours from uh, Fresno local media. Mm-hmm. So when yeah, was... I saw that. Fresno's excited about you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're still excited about me. I, I, I don't know. I've been away for almost four years now, so mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I my friends in Fresno are supportive, but mm-hmm. the community as a whole, I think, has probably moved on. Is Fresno's newspaper the Bee? Or yes, something? I love that. Shut up! Really? <laughs> Fuck yeah! Why? Would think of all the other things you get your information from. <laughs> the Times, Heralds are kind of cool because yeah. it's a little old timey, and they have a you know they have that a brass instrument. Um, but get like I have all the things I could get my news from, like the Sun, the Sentinel. Getting my news from a bee, awesome. Okay, I thought you meant the Fresno Bee as an entity, but you're. No, I meant just like of all the like, like if you know yeah. if I could transform any of those things into tactile trinkets that come and talk news at me. I wanted to. Be <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you could just cross out a newspaper and make it a bee. You could. Or make your own bee. Do it. See, for everything's an art project. (laughs) (laughs) Is 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 that the town that you really started to kind of do a lot of like public exhibitions of your work, or were you already? Yeah, I went to college there, so I was in an art program for five years actually, and um, I kind of came up there, and then. I stayed an extra five years. I got fired from my job, and I moved down here. So I started my L.A. art life at that point. And speaking of your L.A. art life, you actually have an event uh, coming up on Saturday, July 27th. That was smooth. (laughs) That was good. When people talk about me, that's the number one adjective. (laughs) Smooth. I feel like you've been going to like a Segway personal trainer. (laughs) It's fucking deft. Yeah, I do CrossFit two times a week and then Segway Segway. workouts (laughs) three times a week. Well, you look good. But why would you mean transitions and not uh, the automated standing rolling device? You are not a living audition for Paul Blart Mall Cop 2. <laughs> no, no, not there yet. And that wouldn't really be much of a workout. That would be kind of a cop-out yeah, workout. No. <laughs> no Paul Blart pun intended. <laughs> Too late. <laughs> this is an art benefit for the Center, the, uh, Center for the Arts Eagle Rock. Yeah. I love that place. Uh, glitz and Pixie Sticks. Yes, it's uh, very adorable. Now, the actual um, event, uh, it, it's a benefit for them, but it, it's going to be taking place at Leanna Lynn's Wonderland. Mm-hmm. 5024 Eagle Rock Boulevard. Uh, let's uh, look at some of the artists who you will be exhibiting with. Uh, Coney, Emma Gu, Emma San Cartier, Forrest Ann Padra, Jennifer Davis, Jody Asano, Lorena Alvarez, Mekaniku, Messy Pink, Michael Riot Ward, Ming Ong, Nancy Chu, Naoshi, Pretty Little Thieves, Rooney Hardwick, Shar, and mine and Bob Schreiner's old friend, Liz Adams. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. We know Liz from Phoenix. Oh, crazy. She was in a band called The Peeps. Ah, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you know her? No. I'm not, I want to meet her. You'll meet her. Yeah. I last and what's I, that date again that you, they will meet? Well, <laughs> the show run is from July 27th to August 25th, but you can meet Aurora and see her work the opening night, Saturday, July 27th. It'll be running from 6 to 10. Oh my gosh, I'm going to meet Liz. It's like a date she doesn't know about. I know. Mm-hmm. Wow. It'll be exciting. I 
Um, and this is you're going to be debuting your Fang Gang series of paintings. Now, yeah. Tell us about Fang Gang. Oh, okay. So it's three three portraits, and they're um, I've, I've been kind of moving in a larger direction. During college, I was doing really really huge paintings that were um, kind of ostentatious and a pain in the butt. Um, and then I moved to smaller pieces that were more portrait commissioned um, based. And now I'm working more on personal art. Um, I'm still working on portraits. Um, and the ones that are going to be shown at this show are just a series of three. And um, they kind of all work together or they can work separately. Um, but I wanted to do something that was more um, hinged in... Um, 90s gold culture and um, rock and roll and that's what I really tried to emphasize with the portraits so that's what they're about one of them is of our friend Taryn um, of course because I love her madly deeply um, more than I do <laughs> probably no I don't know we don't have to get competitive no we do <laughs> but it really speaks to my Scorpioness. <laughs> good what is that Corinthians love is competitive <laughs> yeah Love is ruthless. <laughs> I was reading at weddings. Yeah. Taryn, watch out. <laughs> yeah. So um, they're, they're uh, just pieces I was really excited about. So um, I don't know. You'll have to come out and see them. Who are the other two? The other two are girls in my life that um, are not related to Taryn. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and um, I, I wanted them all to be unified, even though the girls don't know each other. Or um, I, I mean, in the grander sense, they might know of each other, but they haven't met or anything. Mm -hmm. So um, one is like my best friend and me, um, and um, that was a little weird because I haven't done a self-portrait in a long time. Uh, but when you cover it all up in glitter, I wonder if people can tell. So. <laughs> And why did you choose the title, Fang Gang? Yeah, I was just, well, the shape of the glitter makeup mm -hmm. on the portraits is kind of like a, a fang. Uh, yeah, and I wanted something that had um, just like a little punch to it. Or so. one might say some real bite to it. Oh, wow. I warned That's you about good. the puns. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted something that would be easy, easily remembered. Wow. Well, and I like well, I like you, the idea of girl. You wins. win. <laughs> well done. Uh, tell us about your time at the Metropolitan Museum of Arts and Sciences. Oh, okay. So my last year of school at Fresno State, I applied for an internship at the Met um, in Fresno, and there were six of us selected. Um, so we did a year-long program where we had studio space, and um, we got to create our own work, and it was presented in a show in the Met. That's awesome. Yeah, and we also um, put together a children's program for the kids who were coming to the Met, like a Saturday program. So um, it was education-based and um, probably for the kids and for us. What did you do in the kids' program? Um, gosh, I feel like it was so long ago. Okay. Well, we, we brought in um, children. It was right at the beginning of summer. So I think they were just about to end school. So this was like their, um, congratulations, mm -hmm. you've been good. Come to the museum, hang mm -hmm. out. Um, so they came down and we did like a day long workshop, which ended in like a showing of their work. Awesome. Yeah, it was really fun. 
I feel like you've continued to do something like that. That's um, it, it's a project with with parents and their teens. Oh, it's doing workshops. Um, I haven't done that in an, a while. Um, I'd like to get back into it. Um, right now, I'm working with um, a girl who runs a website that's um, focused on teenage girls. I can't say too much about it yet, um, but all will be revealed in the next mm-hmm. month or so. We'll have links to it on shakytownradio.com, and we also link to auroralady.com, your website. Um, and you just, there's so much you do. I, I was looking actually at your your store, um, and, and you have a lot of, of different items for sale there, um, some buttons, and um, to tell us a little bit about the work that, you're, that you sell through. I know Libby, uh, we were talking uh, with Simon a couple weeks back, and just mm-hmm. kind of the whole concept of of selling your art and and how that process works, and just the ins and outs of that. I would like to hear uh, Aurora talk a little bit about that on your end. Mm. Oh, where do I start? It's uh, it's all a big. I don't know that that thing that um, concept of selling your art mm-hmm. used to be really really foreign and ugly to me and um, since moving to LA I kind of had to embrace it Um, and I feel like I'm still figuring out how to do that Um, and I think that might always be a learning experience for me Um, but I've had to learn about like integrity and um, not selling out and all that fun stuff so um, I like it. I like selling my work. I like uh, connecting with people, and selling your work's a good way to do that. So mm-hmm. um, I'm definitely down for it. You set up a lady sweet shop. Yes. Old school. S H O P P E. I love the E. Yeah, a lady sweet shop dot com, um, where you s- sell some uh, original mixed media. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also commission, like you said, commission portraits mm-hmm. and. Um, you do illustrations and, and art for, I mean, uh, I know one thing you do is uh, flyers for shows. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get started doing that? Um, that was well. I was living in Fresno, and um, I was actually within this group of people who made a lot of music, and they were playing shows with this um, promoter in Visalia. Um, his name is Aaron Gomes. And... Um, he runs Sound and Vision, and they bring a lot of like indie bands into Visalia. And I, I don't know if you guys know about Visalia, but it's super tiny. You probably won't ever go there because you won't need to. But the the crown jewel of Visalia is Aaron Gomes bringing in these indie bands. So he asked me to do flyers for that. Um, and I did a bunch of them. I actually did um, a few shows with my friend Laura Goldstone who's amazing. You should go to her website too, lauragoldstone.com. And we did a few installations for those shows too that kind of went along with the band. So yeah, um, I haven't done band flyers in in a long time, actually. I think the last one I did was for Jonathan Richmond um, two years ago in Visalia. Wow. What was the turnout for that show? Jonathan Richmond? Oh gosh, I didn't... I don't feel like it was full to capacity, but then again, I was like at the front being an asshole super fan, <laughs> um, so I couldn't really see behind me. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think someone like that always, I, I don't understand why there wouldn't be 
a ton of people just like flooding trying to get in but um it's visalia too so yeah there's a certain charm about small towns it seems like everybody comes out because there's something happening right. not so much like well this show's only going to get the super fans right but it's so much like a well there's the lights are on in town so let's go gather around exactly yeah I, yeah that was like a major difference when i moved to la i i feel like i got um actually more hold up in my little apartment because there was so much going on and there was always going to be more going on. Mm -hmm. Whereas like in Visalia and Fresno, that was going to be like the only time I saw Jonathan Richmond, you know? So there, there is a specialness that is. Right. But there's also something very, to me, like that's really endearing about musicians that will go to a place like that. Mm -hmm. Like you're never grateful that anyone came to Los Angeles because like you had to right. <laughs> which is not to say that I'm not happy to see you sure but it's not like you know this is this is on the way like this is the way right as opposed to you know making a stop in Yuma Arizona or Victorville or you know one yeah. of these places that just not on the normal path for people right. so that's always really like a kind of special thing to see when people take the time to play those sure. out of the way places for me yeah. totally. What was your introduction to sort of uh, the art world and counterculture um, as a teenager? Like, what, I mean, I know that um, I know that you have a stack of sassy magazines. Uh, yeah, it was probably sassy magazine actually. Well, it might have been my mom. Like, she was always sewing, and like we didn't grow up with a lot of means, um, so she was always doing things herself, um, and that was kind of just the natural way we grew up. And then. Um, how many were there in your house? Um, it was my mom, my dad, and my two brothers and I. Okay. So five. You were um, the only girl. The I was only, the only daughter. girl, yes. Yeah. I was an only boy, so. Uh-huh. How was that dynamic for you? It was weird. Um, I, I was left alone a little bit more as far as I, I could get away with more mm-hmm. than my sisters, probably. Um, How many sisters? Three. Oh. Two older, one younger. Were they like a team? Uh, no, they're all very different people. Are they a girl gang? <laughs> <laughs> Did they have glitter on them? <laughs> I mean, the one above and the one below me, age-wise, were a little bit of a team sometimes, mm-hmm. but my oldest sister was just very much, and has continued to be just very much into her church and her religion, and mm-hmm. so that was kind of always her thing. Uh, then the second oldest was the the one who was like into goth music and a little bit of punk, and introduced me to my first, uh, you know Max Armstrong, uh, mm-hmm. You knew yeah. Max. Yeah. Uh, Max was like the person that introduced me to like zines and and punk rock and stuff, um, at, at, like at the junior high age. Mm-hmm. And then I met Bob, and then Bob introduced me to really good record collecting. Anyway, wow. um, awesome. But yeah, I mean, I, I was a little bit more on my own. I, I would I would imagine it could go either way with you. You either were on your own, or your your brothers kind of you maybe tried to tag along with them. Oh no, my brothers like isolated me from from the get-go like they were they were buds and I was on my own so yeah um I kind of did things by myself I I don't know I I want to say I could have very well been an only child but there were I mean we were we were so close in age that um my parents often uh had us doing things together but even when we were doing things together it was like them me so yeah um, but I, yeah, I think Sassy was like my 
an introduction to counterculture and like I don't know like even silly things like they're like um cute band alert like stuff like that still really sticks to me like the first one I saw was um that dog and like they're still one of my favorite bands I love them and they've introduced me to like a million other bands that I yeah. love too so just imagining um Hot dog on a sticky uniforms right now. Right? <laughs> that, that video. Yeah. I have a friend who's always telling me, you, I think that hot dog in, on a stick is still out there. You can go out there. And it's like, oh, do I want to be that super fan? I kind of do. Yeah. No one will know. I know. No one will know. It'll, it'll be my private hot dog on a stick moment. But if there <laughs> is someone else in that mall food court, you will identify them as okay. soon as you see them. <laughs> oh, we're, we're all about the same generation here. Libby, were you... Uh, I, I only knew a sassy because probably either sisters or like teen girls that I hung out with. I didn't read sassy. I knew of sassy. Or, or Jane. I was more of a 17, 17 girl. Yes. And, uh, and self. Um, and then Marie Claire... Was self like um, self fitness? Is more fitness yeah. based, yeah. Not that I'm not fit now, but I was considerably more athletic. Check this out. She was in Seattle in the nineties. I was in Seattle in the nineties. Oh wow. She's wow. Yeah. <laughs> you're like glowing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a big cloud over yeah. me. <laughs> <being> in Seattle. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I was definitely more more fit in like junior high and high school. Worked out a ridiculous amount, so yeah. So I also read Self magazine, and uh, I was never really a, an especially girly girl. I'm not now, but I'm not not girly either. <laughs> You're wearing a very pretty dress. Thanks, and my nails are painted. Yeah, you have ladybugs but, uh, on your ears. I do have ladybugs <laughs> on my ears, but I don't make a conscious uh, like I don't work at I don't work at being girly. It's mm-hmm. that's not something that like I identify. I wouldn't use that adjective to describe myself probably ever. But I enjoy having those moments, or right. you know. Well, what does that like mean to you? Like, if what would be a girly girl? Uh, I f- I feel like there's a level of priority that goes with uh, the the thought and the effort and the purchasing and the putting together of oneself to be fashionable or pretty or whatever to to make you a girly girl, I guess. That's, that's what I usually think of, which is why I don't usually self-identify that way. Mm-hmm. But I also don't completely, like, ignore my appearance right. or, you know, I just, I usually generally, instead of putting a lot of premeditated thought into things, there's, like, one day a month when I think, I need to have yellow nails and then I'll paint my nails and then I'll forget about it until they look completely trashed right. and then, <laughs> uh, take the nail polish off. Or, like, I need to have pink hair right now. And then I'll do that, and then I'll completely forget about everything else until my roots grow totally out. Yes. And I'm like, oh, well, now I just look like I just walked out of the trailer park. And so maybe I should think about doing something about this. Yeah. Now, Aurora, one of the things I said at the, the top of the show is that you live an artist life, and I feel like it's you're very conscious of that. And I feel like your aesthetic is part of that, too. I feel like you're very, um, I think the kids say fashion forward. 
oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like you, you, you know what you're doing, and, and it's it's in your own appearance and in your photography. I mean, I feel like you're always looking at the world and yourself and others in, with an artist's eye. Thanks. You're welcome. Yeah. I, I'd like to know more about that. If that's a conscious decision, or if that's just I, something you have naturally, and that therefore you're you're naturally an artist, and maybe not everybody is born with that. Uh, I think a little, little of both. Um, I think I'm in, naturally inclined that way, but I'm definitely like very conscious, conscious of those decisions. Like I, I, I want everything that is um, representative of me or part of my aesthetic or part of um, my blog or writing or drawing, whatever. Um, I want somebody to know that an artist did this. Like, I don't know, for a while on my Instagram, I was posting a lot of um, food pictures because I'm excited about food, as cliche as it is as a vegan. Um, <laughs> and they were uh, delicious meals. But then, I, I, I don't know, there was a point where, like, I met someone and they were like, oh, yeah, I follow you on Instagram. Um, you post a lot of food and it looks really good. What do you do in your off time when you're not dealing with food? And I was like, oh, my God, they have no idea that I make things. Like, <laughs> who am I? What am I doing? Um, so I, I don't know. That sounds kind of trite and silly, like, coming out of my mouth right now. But that was, like, a moment where I was like, all right, I got to change things. Like, I really need to think a little bit more about what I'm presenting and Especially if I want to be a person that um, inspires people or helps people um, find their own voice with art. Um, so yeah, it's definitely a conscious decision. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that makes perfect sense. Not not wanting people to. I mean, it's fine if people know that you love food and think right. your meals are delicious. But there's definitely a really important element of self branding and of marketing if you're going to make your living as an artist. You right. want people to know what your niche is and and always identify you with it yeah I, I I just wanted people to know maybe I'm an artist who happens to like food rather than a girl who likes food who happens to do it all around so, mm-hmm. yeah. is there the possibility of an edgy food portrait show in your future <laughs> <laughs> maybe if we sprinkled food. glitter all over the food or something I mean I'm open to whatever <laughs> well, sprinkles are sort of like glitter for food <laughs> so maybe there's a giant art bake sale combo event that would be fun that Sounds would be cool <laughs> I would go to that <laughs> I would too yeah. you might have to do it first okay <laughs> <laughs> But I'll go to. Okay. <laughs> Bob, you, you, to a certain extent, take pride in your food artistry. We've been to a few events. Actually, uh, uh, Aurora has met Bob before at Co-op 28, which is a, a store that uh, Bob, we're both friendly with, Bob especially so. Um, and, and you've done a couple events there and provide some refreshments. Yes, indeed. Um, I just love to bake and to cook and, you know, feeding people is a... It just feels so good. It does. So, yeah, the, and there's something about the process. It just, it never feels like work, though it's labor and it's disciplined and you have to follow. Yeah. To some extent, you can always wing it and add verbena if you want. But, you know, more <laughs> or less. feeling crazy. <laughs> somewhat. Um, somewhat structured. 
This is a silly aside, but it just leapt to mind. Uh, my roommate, my magician Joel Ward, and I have had in our freezer since I moved in, which was about eight months ago. Please don't say dead dove. Uh, no. <laughs> Although there's a whole other story about that that I'm not sure I've told you, but I will, <laughs> will, will sometime. Uh, and uh, I apologize in advance <laughs> to you vegans, but we had a, a box of Omaha steaks. It clearly says Omaha steaks all over it in our freezer, and it had been in there forever. And I had mentioned to... Joel, gee, we should really eat these because they're just sitting frozen, being uh, ignored. And uh, I've just brought down my cast iron skillet back from Seattle, which is the best way to cook most things in the world, but definitely to cook, cook steak inside. And so I thawed them out this week with the intent of cooking them for myself and Joel. He offered generously to let me just have them. Um, but I was like, well, they're yours, so let's share them. Last night, I got out my skillet and the steak seasoning and opened the box to find four chicken breasts. What? (laughs) And I still made an amazingly delicious variation on chicken cordon bleu and a fabulous Greek salad, and it was delicious. But but I was just basically going around the kitchen in circles being surprised and trying to figure out, well, now what do I do with myself? I'd had this plan that that had been percolating for eight months. (laughs) Is it possible that he swapped them out as a magic trick? It's possible. But he was as surprised as I was. But he does sometimes shock himself with his own illusions. Yeah. Yeah, Is there like a handkerchief like floating around in the ice maker that may... Yes, and I just, kept, I just kept pulling and pulling. And <laughs> trickery like, was all I want is ice, and there are so many handkerchiefs. <laughs> uh, no, there was a little label on the box when I looked closer that was like, individually wrapped chicken breasts, four. And I think, I'm not even positive that they were really Joel's. I think it was like a former roommate was probably part of the, I don't know, meat of the month club or something for Omaha Steaks. But, but I feel like I was falsely advertised, too. Yeah. Thank you for your notes. Now that you have your skillet, there's a great, um, there's a recipe that I wrote that will be coming up in Soy Not Boy 2, which will come out later this year. Um, Can I get a preview version of it? Uh, yes, when I have one. It's a, okay. it's a massive undertaking, and lots of people are contributing. I'm, I'm really excited Do for it. Do you know it. about this? Well, no. I'll tell you a little bit more about oh, it. Oh, I just mean a preview version of this recipe. Oh, I'll tell you right describe. now. It's, it's basically, <laughs> and it's so pen. simple in your cast iron skillet, mm-hmm. um, and this is something everyone can make. It's just Brussels sprouts, which there's been an amazing crop of this oh, year, so they're, they're everywhere, and they're very affordable. But I just have them and roast them in my skillet to their sort of caramelized and wonderful and then in a big pan in a big bowl I'll sort of line the sides of the bowl with sriracha soy agave nectar and freshly squeezed lime and then just toss them all in it's wonderful that sounds amazing that sounds amazing I love Brussels sprouts yeah you'll love this I think um Aurora and our audience would be very interested to hear about what soy not oy is Tommy Oh, <laughs> because as a vegan and as a person who likes zines. Yeah. Well, my one of the zines, it's funny we had this, the, the talk of magazines earlier because I think back to that time, that formative period in my life, and magazines were something, I guess most mass media was something I was somewhat distrustful of, mm-hmm. not in a real heady, you know, rhetorical sort of way, but sort of like, hmm. Like, I didn't doubt that Popular Mechanics would tell me how to put, you know, new spark plugs in my Jetta, but... I didn't give a shit. Right. And that sort of applied to a lot of other things. Um, But so, you know, because there were things like, you know, everything that mattered to me was just 
punk scenes and, and that tipped me off to other, you know, things I needed to read about in history and politics and whatnot. And I was fortunate enough to grow up with some guys in, in Phoenix that were, you know, a few years older than me that did a zine called Hippie Corps and uh, just awesome, awesome dudes who were willing to open up their homes and lives to a bunch of like stupid fucking pain in the ass kids. Um, they did a great scene and label. And one of the things they, you know, this is like late eighties approaching 1990 and there weren't really like vegan cookbooks were right. just didn't exist. This was yeah. Pre Isa Moskowitz or. Yeah, yeah. So, so they put together, it was mostly you know, contributor uh, based and there are great pairings of music and recipes and, and that's something it's you know, over 20 years old, but it's, it's endured. That sounds adorable. And it's, it's Thank funny to see that. how much now that, and sadly, uh, Joel Olson, our friend, passed away last year. So there's a Soy Not Oi 2 has been put together to uh, you know, sort of pay, to pay a tribute to him and also to raise funds for his family. He's has a, had a wife and three children. Oh, gosh. So it's been pretty remarkable talking to people. You know, is isn't you know, my my involvement in the project is not as involved as some of my friends like Eric Y, who's illustrating it, and Jack Kahn, who was one of the original you know, the guys doing hippie core. But it's crazy just talking to people who, like, oh yeah, I've had yeah, I've had this soy nato in my kitchen for twenty years. Yeah. that's great. I'd, I'd love to. It's great, and it's also like like I was I was referring to Issa Moskowitz of Post Punk Kitchen, and she's. Uh, written a lot of great cookbooks and like she definitely sports her soy not away shirt mm-hmm. even now uh, megan i think has a I, I wrote a story around it but it's uh my wife megan's recipe i think is ending up in the i don't i'm not i haven't been 100 confirmed it's in the final edit yet but i think it might be a breakfast recipe yeah my brussels sprouts as well as my barbecue sauce will be some other submissions. I'm not sure if they've been where those are, yeah. but yeah, I'm sure they're somewhat similar to other things people have submitted. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. But those two, I'm pretty proud of. So very cool. That's you an amazing that. project. Like the intent of it, of course, and then the actual outcomes can be really amazing. Let me know when it comes yeah. out. Definitely, one. we will. Be, I'll be pushing from this and every other you know, media. <laughs> okay. Stand vantage point I have. Yes, that's the way to do it. You can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at, at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. Hey, this is Victor Vector from Man or Astro Man, and you are listening to Shakytown Radio Hour. So, Rory, you were involved. Uh, we've spoken a lot about food actually surprisingly i know you're, i love it <laughs> you're you're involved with uh, the brand relaunch of clara cakes can you talk about that i don't know if i'm formally involved with that <laughs> but i love clara i met her probably a year ago um i saw her at a space 1520 event which i guess you're doing yeah the zine thing yeah um on the 27th um yeah, I met her over there, and she was, like, 15. I was like, who is this awesome teenage girl selling vegan treats? And um, I followed her everywhere. 
on the social networks, not like a stalker in person. Um, but she was always super sweet, and I just sent her an email like, anytime you need anything, let me know. And we ended up doing that little announcement about her name change, and it was super fun. She's she's such a rad kid. Like, she's, I don't know, I think about being, I think she's 17 now, and um, running my own business at that age. I mean, I think her mom helps her a little bit, but on the whole, that's like her project, and I'm just super impressed with her and she's always got a smile on her face. Um, she just seems really happy doing what she loves. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's great when you can find a passion like that at such an early age. Yeah. I feel like I've kind of drifted. I mean, I've, I've always come back to like, I've, I've come back to DIY as what I want to do and what I actually put my energy into, mm-hmm. um, whether that's music or, you know, in, in this case now, like the podcast and writing and things like that. But, but yeah, I, I definitely didn't have my shit together at that age. No. Yeah. yeah, finding focus and your niche and then branding that thing is, I think, the most important part about being successful as a small business owner, regardless of what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. I think she's really interesting, too, because she seems very aware of what the internet can do for her. She's very savvy. Um and she's not hesitant. Like, she has the confidence to, like, utilize those tools to really help herself. Mm-hmm. And um, it seems like, I mean, from what I've seen with teenage girls, they are a little bit more savvy about that thing, whereas I would have been totally clueless. Like, the zines are it. That's it. I want to ask you about the blankest girl in the world. Okay. So that was my zine last year that came out, and it was way too big of a project um, <laughs> for what I needed it to be. I was doing it for International Zine Month, because I think that's an awesome little month. Yeah, we're in the midst of it now. Yes, and I am intentionally not making anything, <laughs> <laughs> because last year was so major. Um, I, I don't know. Like, my projects... I tend to either make them too big in my head I'm like a backwards planner so I'll have like this idea of something I want to make and like all the details are there and then um, I have to plan it out and uh, there's never enough time there's usually not enough money to fund it correctly and that project was like definitely um, a lot of money because they were uh, color copies and there was quite a few pages involved and um it was a lot of like portraiture work like actual drawings so it took a lot of time mm-hmm. um I, I love the way the project came out but um I, that's why i'm not doing it again this year it was just because i feel like i put in my time for last year so and i have this show coming up so yeah yeah um, but it was a super fun project. I, like, interviewed women I really loved and cared about, and they seemed to like it, too. So and I think everyone was happy. How would you fill in that blank for yourself? Oh, that's a great, awful question. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Uh, I, um, gosh. Um, I'll think about that and get back to you Okay. in like five minutes. Okay, let's ask Libby. You are the blankest girl in the world. Fill in the blank. Uh, 
probably go with nerdiest or dorkiest. I and I, that's another one of those is is people define nerdy differently. But mm-hmm. like I would say nerdiest with my definition of nerdy, which is generally to obtain as much knowledge as humanly possible. Whereas some people define nerdiness as being specific to like Star Wars or comic books or something. Um, or Star Wars comic books. Or Star Wars comic books, which I know a little bit about, but mostly just because I know a little bit about everything that I can get my hands on. So that's probably the uh, thing that would leap to mind. I'm the nerdiest girl in the world. Bob Schreiner, what kind of girl in the world are you? You know, I've, I spend a lot of time thinking about that. <laughs> the thinkiest girl in the world. Yes, the most pensive girl <laughs> in the world. I like that. Mm-hmm. Brody? Uh, definitely the hairiest. <laughs> <laughs> hairiest girl. And then, and then what if it was boy? The blankest boy in the world. Um. Then you lose that title, don't you? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um. Then you'd really have to compete for Harris. Yeah. No. Definitely. There are some Greeks for sure who <laughs> would be serious contenders. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. I. will. I will put my beard up against just about any man or woman in the world. Mm. Uh, or. Or. Gender queer person. Like whatever. Whatever you identify as. I will put my beard up against yours. But you wouldn't compete with lions. No. <laughs> or goats. I mean, animals are people too. That's However, right. <laughs> you know, I think I have a, a better beard than a goat. Yeah, but a goat would just headbutt you. <laughs> That's true. So it's this, I mean, it's going to escalate. I didn't say I, I didn't say I was the best headbutter in the world. No, what I'm saying is that when you meet to challenge them, like, it's going to get... They play dirty is what you're saying. Yes. Yes, Exactly. And they're smug. I find goats to be smug (laughs) the whole world over. Smug goats. It's in the name of uh, my my new band. I like that name. That's good. Mm -hmm. Smug goats. I've spent... uh, some of my week with uh, my my dear friend John Schmerzel, who was in Brainiac and Enon, has recently started playing out in a new band of his... There's a funny conflict because someone in the band isn't as in love with the name as other people <laughs> in the band. No names. Uh, so there's this ongoing like joke of you know, other names bandied about this week. As I went to San Diego with them and then uh, that show yesterday in Santa Ana. It's been a fun running joke. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, I know you said you have, it's been a while since you've done flyers for bands, but you still are are into music yeah i don't know i feel like i'm old and i'm losing touch and Mm -hmm. i listen to all songs considered every week and they kind of tell me what's cool and i listen to that how lame (laughs) yeah and i don't know like i've i've been i mean it's la so i have the opportunity to see a lot of bands that i was really crazy about when i was a teenager and that's kind of how i listen to music now so yeah um, like randomly I'll, I'll hear something and I, I mean even in my car I listen to like pop radio like I just kind of like having music around me and I'm I don't think I'm in a place anymore where I really like sit on my floor and like cry about lyrics anymore like yeah. it's just not the place I'm in anymore but I really relate to that feeling and I feel like that feeling still close to my heart and I touch in with that feeling pretty frequently 
Do you feel that it's kind of cyclical to periods that you take on new music more actively versus times that you're just okay with what you got? I don't know. I think it maybe depends on like uh, what activities you're putting your hands into. Like I, when I was really listening to music and loving music, that was an activity for me. That was a part of my life that I actively put energy into. Um, and when you don't put energy into it, I mean, nothing's going to really come back to you. So, yeah, maybe it works cyclically. Um, it hasn't worked for me yet, but I don't, I don't know who I'm going to be when maybe I have a kid and I want them to be immersed in music. Like, I feel like maybe that would be another time where it comes into play for me. Um, just not right now. Like, right now I really like silly pop music. So, Oh, that's right. You've been listening to a lot of, um, uh, was it Miley Cyrus? Uh, her new single. She's <laughs> just such a ruffian right now. I can't even deal with her. I, <laughs> I don't know. Like, have you guys seen the new video? I have not. I did, however, uh, because I was researching a script that I was writing that was girlier than my normal personal purview uh i picked up a few magazines that were specifically young female artists and specifically in the music industry and it was weird there was a whole month of uh glamour and 17 and uh jane i forget what the other magazines even are in style that were all taylor swift and miley cyrus Mm -hmm. and uh shoot there's another one who's not a not a music star. Maybe it was Elle Fanning. Like, just upcoming it girls. Okay. But I was looking at the music one specifically because it related more closely to the script. And the uh, the Miley Cyrus consensus was that she is now a badass because at 19? How old is she? I think she's 20. At 20, yeah. she's throwing off the shackles of her former life and her <laughs> upbringing and her. And she cut her hair real yeah. short and she doesn't want to be sexy or or cute for sure she wants to be defiant and edgy and she's she's redefining herself i i think she is redefining herself i don't know that what she's doing is sexy or edgy because you think about like a normal 20 year old girl Mm -hmm. what are they doing like they're not sitting at home necessarily and like reading books and uh hanging out with their old pop songs they wrote at 15 like yeah i i don't know like i see what she's doing as very normal like That's, for her age that was generally the, the gist i got to yeah was that uh she wasn't she didn't have a real plan her plan mm-hmm. was just to avoid the the stereotypes that, you know, to like break out of the stereotype she was right. formerly in. a funny in. notion of sort of, you know, manufactured dissent. Yes, like exactly. she's breaking away from, like she's, <laughs> as if she's some like, you know, old money New England blue blood. Right. Like, Fuck off. Right, right. I am an artist. <laughs> I don't care to run my father's successful hotel chain. <laughs> it's like your dad is fucking Billy Ray Cyrus. Like, <laughs> I don't think you really grow up with expectations beyond like, please don't fucking write another achy breaky heart. <laughs> That's a pretty easy shadow to live in, I think. Yeah. I so. don't know. Like I I don't know. I shouldn't do this, but I was watching her video on YouTube and you read down the comments and like there's so many people saying her dad must be horrified and I was like, oh. 
Oh yeah, so having not seen the video, okay. what what are the the horrifying moments of the video? <laughs> it's more weird than anything else. Mm -hmm. Like she I don't know. I when I saw it I was like, oh, she's doing like a mini Madonna thing. She's dressed all in white, her mm -hmm. midriff is showing, like she's covered. <laughs> not the navel. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but uh, she's kind of rolling around on a bed, like writhing and doing the pop star thing yes. whatever um but there were like interesting elements to me like mm -hmm. as a feminist like she uh there was uh, she's kind of singing into the camera like sexy like but she doesn't really have a moment with another guy until maybe 75 percent in and she's just kind of like holding him and she kind of kisses his chest and it's like the least intimate moment in mm -hmm. the video. And I got the sense like Miley's really down with herself. Like yeah. that's what I absorbed. Like she didn't care about this dude's situation. <laughs> I'm probably reading too much into it. I know there was a script and like people were like uh, dealing with the story probably more than she was. But um yeah, the, the moments that resonated with me were the more um, weird moments. Like, there's a moment where she's dancing with a bunch of um, a, a bunch of people with like um, furry backpacks, and they're just like, "What?" Wait, <laughs> I don't, I don't get this. They're like huge teddy bears on people's backs, and there's a lot of cultural appropriation, and that's kind of that's always interesting and touchy to me and um i'm i'm thinking about again when i was 20 and those moments where i just thought things were interesting and wanted to be part of them versus um maybe uh appropriating culture in a distasteful way mm -hmm. and that, that was one of the critiques about the video was that she was um doing this cultural appropriation that was um, not respectful. Hmm. Um, but again, she's a 20-year-old girl and she likes hip-hop culture. And like, this is what maybe maybe her heart felt. I don't know. Maybe yeah. her manager felt like this was okay. I, I don't know. But, um, but to me, that's an interesting argument because to say hip-hop culture in the sense of the, from a media perspective, that's all mass media. Mm-hmm. Like culturally, yes, it manifests in places that are not right. business, but in terms of how that gets to you as a product, that's all fucking white guys in suits. Mm -hmm. So just to sort of refer to it as like misappropriating something, it's like, so you, a white girl at 20, are misappropriating something that's packaged and handled by 50-year-old right. white men. Exactly. Probably your same... Um, manager or label or there's, right. pro there's probably someone in common in the corporate version right. of both of those things yeah yeah so that whole uh, four minutes of miley was just like a, oh my god this is amazing <laughs> thank you pop culture gods <laughs> this. well now i have to watch the video against my usual better judgment <laughs> I hope I didn't build it up too much, but um, uh, she's wearing great makeup. I, you're not girly, but um, I, I also appreciated that. So. Yeah, I, I'm an appreciator. Yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll uh, now. Now my curiosity has been piqued. Now, <laughs> now I have to watch it. For me, the medium of a music video begins and ends with fish heads. That's all I need. <laughs> also, a, a memorable video. Yeah. Like, I I remember watching that when I was a teenager. I only needed to see it once and. 
yeah, it's still stuck in my head, of course. A young Bill Paxton. I haven't seen that one either. Some fish heads. <laughs> yeah, I am. Yes. You got a lot to watch on Billy YouTube. Mommy. I do. <laughs> I have a big YouTube watch list. <laughs> the, you you, you got to be careful because if you end up on the YouTube watch list, yes. a little extra time in line at the airport. In line, yes. Yeah. If you're on the YouTube watch list, I know. Had to had to take off both my shoes and my socks before. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. See, my problem is there's another Brody Hubbard on the YouTube watch list. Oh, really? So oh. Uh, sometimes I have to explain, no, it's Brody Foster Hubbard. <laughs> I, I did want to mention, uh, since we were, we were on the music video uh, trail, that um, I don't watch very many music videos in general. It's not a thing that comes up a whole heck of a lot, but that uh, Bjork's human behavior resonated for me like ages and ages ago and I actually have it on DVD mostly because I thought that the direction of it was so incredibly interesting and it wasn't until considerably later when Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind became my favorite movie and I started looking into Michel Gondry that I realized that he had directed that so like many many years before he was already my favorite director and I didn't even know who he was. Yeah. And then I sort of connected all the dots and was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. I love that. Yeah. Did you um, get his, he has like a little compilation of all his videos on one DVD? I haven't. I just bought the the Bjork DVD because I didn't know at the time that I got the DVD. It was one of those things where... MTV still played music videos, and they were the only thing. uh, Most countries for a long time, and I don't think this is the case now, but uh, the only American channel that they got or avidly uh, proliferated was MTV. And so it would usually be the sort of thing where I'd like be exhausted in wherever I was staying at midnight. I'd just turn on and watch a few music videos. I don't remember where I was when I saw it. But it was, I didn't realize at the time, because it was, I don't even know the year of human behaviors ages ago, um, that I I didn't realize all of the very many things that went into making a music video, mm-hmm. and the director didn't even occur to me at that time. I just knew it was Bjork's video, so right. I bought her DVD. 20 years ago. 20 years ago. June 1993. So I was crazy, right? 13. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't didn't know the whole process that went into that. Just for, there was something in it that like sparked a, a inspiration in me. And sure. so I bought the DVD and then it was considerably later that I started looking into Michel Gondry's work, but I should buy a compilation of his videos. It's pretty because wonderful. I bet they're yeah. awesome. Yeah. You like any uh, specific music videos? Yes. <laughs> Name one. It's funny when I think of video, I think of the evolution of video. Like, and I think like of those those awesome Elvis Costello videos where just in the white studio, the mm-hmm. seamless, wallless looking, giant opaque setting. And it's just funny to think like they just shot multiple videos there. They're right. like, all right, just play another song now. <laughs> keep going. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Michelle Gondry stuff is is good. Um, and that video of his is, is really good. And the weird David Cross thing at the end is... <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of little treasures. Disturbing and yeah. compelling at the same time. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think of videos that, like, really... Um, I really like the video that Devo did for It Takes a Worried Man. I mean, all the Devo videos are great, even if it's just fucking Devo playing live when they're yeah. 
rector pads and green suits are brilliant. I, I am not like a, a huge Radiohead fan by any means. I like their music okay. I'll go on record to say I fucking hate them. Okay. Wow. More okay. pedals than a bike shop. It's <laughs> just jerking off with music. <laughs> but uh, their song Just from the album The Bends, really great music video. I don't think I've seen it. It, it tells a story and I won't. I don't want to spoil it for you. Like you just have to watch the whole thing. Yeah, like, don't spoil it for me. <laughs> It, it, it starts with a, a man lying in the middle of the street and all the people coming up to him, like, asking him, like, are you okay? You know, like, what's going on? Are you, you know, can we help you up? Can, do you need anything? And it just, like, gathers a crowd and has this great ending. I, I, you just need to watch it. it it's a really, uh, it's a story that has stuck with me for the 15, 20 years of the video, since the video's been made. Yeah. If I were going to listen to Radiohead, I would just watch cartoons. I would watch old droopy cartoons. <laughs> yeah, droopy dog. Yeah. That would be. Put those one over the other. Yeah. That would be my Radiohead video. I appreciate your intense dislike of them. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's good. That's passionate. Have you uh, have you thought of any uh, sort of multimedia? presentations in your oh, gosh. work. I mean, you obviously love the, the written and painted and, you know, yeah. those visual mediums, but... You know, I haven't played around too much with, like, video. Um, I did all, a lot of um, projection work when I was in college and installation work. That was a lot of fun, but um, actual video I haven't messed around too much with. Um, I like... I mean, this, of course, speaks to my ego, which I'm trying to embrace... Uh, but it's annoying. Um, but I like um, uh, creating something on paper and then um, transferring it over to a different medium. Like these, uh, the Fangang paintings, we're doing a photo shoot with my best friend and a few girlfriends um, to kind of make it a real thing. Like these are real girls and this is how they live. And like this is how other girls can manifest the idea of those paintings. Um, so I, I like transferring mediums, but um, video itself I haven't messed around with. I'm open to it. Yeah. Yeah. What other things would you kind of like to experiment with artistically? I want to go back to zine making. Um, and it's, I don't know, I feel like I've uh, lost touch a lot with that part of myself. Um, I, I, I mean, the... Um, the grandeur of my projects really gets in the way of the, like actually producing something that um, I can get out quickly. Um, and that whole idea really intimidates me. So I, I don't know. I think about like um, uh, my friend was telling me the concept of like, uh, she was talking about her concept of time and energy and how those things roll together. And like, we really only have like a, a dollop of time on this earth and we need to take advantage of it in fact that is why i'm wearing pajamas right now <laughs> not because i rolled out of bed but because like i wanted to um think about like what feeling do i want to have while i have this interview and I've, i don't know i've been listening to like a lot of kanye west and like, I was like what would kanye west wear like he wouldn't give a fuck he's just rolling his pajamas to a, to a radio interview. I don't know. So, um, I don't know. Where was I going with this? <laughs> I was not talking about pajamas. Um, 
You're talking about work that you want to do and the grandeur of your projects. Oh, okay. So my friend was talking about like um, time and energy and how we have, all have these buckets, like our projects are our buckets. And um, we put drops of our blood into these projects and like these this blood is our energy and like uh, you only have so many drops of blood so many buckets and like you don't want to overextend yourself like you want your bucket to be full of your blood you don't want like a few drops in each bucket so that's what I'm trying to like really deal with rather than have like 50 different projects that I care about and like uh, maybe I only work on two that um, I can fill with my blood so, yeah. Very cool. Bloody. <laughs> it makes it sound so gruesome, but it's uh, <laughs> but it's an excellent point that it's it's very hard to spread your energies out amongst many things yeah. and finish them, or at least finish them in in a satisfying and uh, I don't want to say complete. I'm sure there's a better word than that, but in a Fulfilling, fulfilling, yeah. yeah, fulfilling way that is that completely honors yourself and the project without half-assing it or even three-quarter assing it. And we're exactly. bombarded with things that, in all mediums that we see, that we kind of look at and say, "Oh, well, this is forty percent blood and sixty mm-hmm. percent food coloring." Yes, <laughs> and you know that we always sort of have to compare ourselves to that. It's like it's terrifying. It's like. I don't want someone to think that. Mm-mm. No. You want every project you put out to be like quality and worthy of someone's time and attention. Otherwise, why put it out? Yeah. Hi, friends. I'm Amber Kenny, and you're listening to the Shaky Town Radio Hour. Speaking of buckets of blood, <laughs> let's talk about our buckets for a moment. Um, I have uh, you can you can come to both mine and Aurora's events on Saturday the twenty seventh because mine runs from one to five. It's at uh, we were talking earlier about space fifteen twenty. Uh, the dreamy Daisy Noemi and I will be tabling together uh, as part of uh, Freeways Collide International Zine Month event. Uh, she'll have her art and I will have my Zine Fair dig. So you can check that out at fifteen twenty Coanga. Um, what else? And then, of course, the, the event uh, that Aurora is doing on the twenty uh, seventh, the night of the 27th. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it starts at 6. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Libby, do you have anything coming up uh, in the last week of July or uh, in August? I have shows uh, pretty nearly every Sunday, and they are work-in-progress shows for our Second City Sketch Show. So uh, I would love to have people come by and check them out and be aware that their work's in progress and give me their feedback and what they loved and what they were confused by because we'll have a regular polished up sketch show running for all of September and October. And I also, I don't have a specific time event, but I would like to send everyone to unemployedninja.com, which uh, has been a zine and is an animated series, and we're working to get someone to pay us to make it. Um, It's not a listed link, but there is a pitch trailer for Unemployed Ninja, the series, that is available um, exclusively through the unlisted link on the website. Um, so I, I haven't put it out, obviously, publicly yet, but um, friends of Shaky Town would also love for you to go and visit it and 
like it if you like it and send happy thought comments through YouTube so that when I am pitching it, that people will know that we are building a fan base. And if you have feedback or things that you think would be improved, then please send me an email or a something and let me know so that as I'm building the series, I can continue to improve it. Okay, cool. Bob Schreiner, what about you? What do you have coming up? Well, you know, the Joker is always wild, so I like to leave <laughs> things a bit more spontaneous and of whimsy. Um, I've also been working, uh, I finished I've Been the Viking like a month ago, so I'm just working on kind of anticipating self-publishing with that, so sort of shoring up, um, yeah. you know, faith and support, contacts abroad and all, all over the, the U.S., uh, and that's been a lot of fun, and I've started writing a new, get, writing a graphic novel is like getting a tattoo. <laughs> you do it, and then you want to get five more. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, you know, tending to that as well. Um, and then I'll probably, you know, just do some more, like, storytelling, uh, still, you know, open mic kind of bullshit yeah. on short notice that I'll just throw up on Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, there's an I've Been the Viking Facebook page for those who want to go see our illustrated work up to now. Um, Eric Y, who does the illustration, is also has uh, his Big Black Bear published on the Razor Cake comic site, which we should have a link to. Um, it's so good. <laughs> does someone also cover you in saran wrap and athletic tape when you write a graphic novel? Because it's like, <laughs> because I it's hope like not. Really <laughs> <tattoo>. <laughs> <Did> you know. <laughs> Yeah, I think if that happens to me, other like I've probably been heavily sedated, so I'm not really aware. Yeah, you you do definitely take showers differently though. Mm-hmm. In both cases, yeah, it's like a reward. <laughs> See, I've, I've never got a tattoo or written a graphic novel, although I did start a graphic novel, uh, but no one saran wrapped me, and I'm not positive that I want more. Yeah, I've not been saran wrapped. The, the process is. A little, little weird to me. I, I, I got naked and wrapped myself in saran wrapped. And I'm sorry. I mixed my life up again with the Kathy Bates character from Bright Green Tomatoes. Uh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, that, that Not my story. Again, that was her. Darn it. Um, what about you, Aurora? Because you wanted to stay friends. Um, saran wrap. There was a little saran wrap involved in my life during <laughs> certain periods um, with tattoos. Um, but, yeah. Uh, just the show is going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, there might be saran wrap at the show. Because, yeah. I wanted to ask you as... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead, Libby. Oh, I was just going to ask you, Brody, if you have Aurora's website up right now. Yes, auroralady.com. Uh, yes, because I don't remember the specific but amazing adjectives um, describing describing your work from the press, one of which I believe was... Wonderfully loopy, or do you remember it was, your it, maybe it was like gleefully loopy. loopy. Um, the <laughs> yes. guy from the press no bee. Yeah, I believe it's uh, it's on the about me page, and I believe it's about three quarters of the way down. So if you find it, I feel like you should read that sentence because it leapt out <laughs> to me, but I didn't write it down. <laughs> She's deeply introspective. Yeah, I don't think you said that. <laughs> no, I think you said something like uh, I think you're exotically right. whimsical and gleefully loopy. Um, Damn. They were wonderful yeah. adjectives. He only said it once. <laughs> he didn't keep saying it over and over and over. It's not repeated. <laughs> yeah, a whimsical yet sweetly erotic. Yes. And full of loopy glee. Wow. 
I like hearing that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And I, but I felt like after seeing your work on your website and then reading that, that that perfectly described at least your work up to this point. I haven't Thanks. seen anything new, but I thought those were very accurate descriptors. Thanks. Yeah. I was uh, pretty surprised when I received that mention. It was pretty nice. I was like, oh, that's kind of what I've been going for. I'm, I'm glad he received that message. Great. So, yeah. I wanted and to pass it on to the world. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very in kind form. of him. Yes. Always in B form. Straight <laughs> on like a hornet. I, want, I wanted to ask you as we close out the show here, um, it, it, we've talked a lot about, you know, living the artist's life and looking at the world through an artist's eye. And um, you've been able to... Um, do that and, and sell your work. And I know that you also have a, a day job that is uh, art, art, artistically involved. Yes. And so I just wanted to your advice for other artists who, if they decide to, like you do, did come to L.A. Uh-huh. Um, and, and try to pursue that, what, what is the important things for them to keep in mind? Where, how are they going to... Oh, gosh, where do I start? Yeah. Uh, no, maybe that should be my next scene. That would, <laughs> again, really speak to my ego. Like, I would read that scene. Um, yeah, um, I don't know. Like, really, I don't know. I think you really have to know that you're not going to just doodle in L.A. Like, you, there is an aspect of L.A. that um, is... It's, it's a hustle here. So you have to be willing to work hard. Um, and I think you can work hard without it being painful and, and uh, difficult. Um, so try to find a job you like. Um, if you can, make your own schedule. I got really lucky with my day job. I can start um, at 6 in the morning. I'm done by 2.30. And then I come home and I start working on my own business. Um, find your tribe in LA, talk to everyone about what you love and um, be willing to help and contribute to other projects that you feel like you might be a fit for. Um, it sounds totally uh, silly, but try not to worry about money, like have faith in your own skill and your own um, destiny that this is what you are meant to do. Um, don't stop talking about what you love. I guess that would, that would be it. Um, that would be part of it. I'm going to think of a million other things later. So sorry, guys. <laughs> sorry, audience. Um, but that's the main thing. Like live, know that your life is one moment. Uh, basically, you only have one chance to live it. So put on your fucking Kanye West pajamas. And, <laughs> um, take care of yourself so you can live, live with your heart on the outside doing what you love. I have a quick transition, which won't be as smooth as Brody's, but <laughs> she mentioned her, her Kanye pajamas and being immersed in what she loves, and she's, she's sitting here in these fabulous pajamas for the listeners who can't see them, which are covered in little we'll, rose we'll, wreaths. We'll take some pictures together we'll take some pictures. <laughs> on the website. But I want to say, and she's got her mismatched earrings and her fabulous jelly shoes, but she oh, also thanks. has... Um, Paint, what I think is gesso, maybe. Oh no! Oh no! It's just paint. Paint yeah. has paint on her feet, <laughs> so she's obviously been working very hard. <laughs> yeah, um, dip your feet in paint. Like, let, <laughs> let the paint or whatever you live in get all over you and and live it. Yeah. Those those footprints that uh, were made of paint mm-hmm. when they became one set of footprints. <laughs> 
that's when I was carrying you. <laughs> the one like aside to your, your your list of things to to people moving here, or I guess to artists anywhere, whether whether you live here or you're moving here, or you just hover over the town in a little bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, the ego is a thing is an important thing to reconcile with. And I think we have such a cynical culture that people feel very afraid to have an ego like we treat it like a petulant dog Mm -hmm. even if it's very very minor and well behaved Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that people need to be encouraged more to like let it run or even be aware of their ego i think in in a nog well maybe in a neutral sense like just be aware of what your ego is telling you about yourself and if you're mindful of your ego you're probably not going to be arrogant and Mm self-entitled and brash and all those things you're afraid of being identified Mm -hmm. as for having any semblance of ego right but i think in in keeping that in check people also keep so much of their work or their creativity and their thoughts and their ideas restricted because they don't want to be looked down upon as some flashy peacock Mm -hmm. and yeah so i I mean like with your own work um how do you feel when you release something into the world how do you um tell yourself that this isn't my ego this is my offering to the world like what's the difference for each of you well i think ego is not a pejorative Mm mm-hmm you know, like ego is you know, that part of your sense of self. So it can get out of control. And there's lots of examples here where it does many sure. monuments to ego that are foolish and, and ugly. But yet, I don't ever, I don't see a, diff- a point of distinction. Mm-hmm. You know, if I do something, it's like, yes, of course my ego is mm-hmm. part of me. That makes me do things and talk to people and yeah. do things that are good and bad. And it's just... I don't really, you know, I just put them in the same glass and stir. <laughs> so. Well, and the word ego is often used as a pejorative, but uh, in that case, I think of it more as confidence, which is mm-hmm. more of the beautiful way of saying it. And I think you have to be confident to be an artist and be successful because people don't, won't believe in you if they don't right. think that you, or recognize that you believe in yourself. And, uh, Something that's come up a lot for me is that, uh, like, with selling your art and not wanting to sell out or, um, you know, be cheap about it, is is that you have to put out into the world what you love and put it out for yourself and your audience and your tribe and your people will find you and you have to make it available to those people to find. Right. Um, And, you know, there are sometimes moments when you do have to, and I won't call it selling out, but you do have to make concessions to make sure that you get paid for the thing you're doing yes um but you have to know which parts are like choose your battles and know what's important to you like what part for me what part of the script which are my nerdy subtle jokes um that are really important that i keep to make that script still mine whereas maybe mentioning a particular brand of shoes or mentioning a specific hotel or someone who's helping to fund that script I don't love it, but I don't feel like that makes the script suddenly not mine anymore as long as there's that balance of uh, these are the people who are funding this great thing and they're allowing me to put my great things out into the world. Right. So there's definitely a balance. Well, and it's funny because we don't, 
we don't lose respect for anyone for having a shitty job mm-hmm. to do what they want to do. Right. It's like, man, that guy's sacrificing. Mm-hmm. He's going for it. He's giving it his all. But once those two things blend, you know, once you're once once there's some measure of of, of commerce that's not deemed so creative. And that's a slippery slope because there are some times, you know, if you want to shill, it can get ugly. Mm-hmm. But it's just interesting to me, like, you know, people, you know, people working terrible jobs that don't reward them beyond, you know, immediate survival. Right. It's never a bad thing. No one ever slags them, but, it's like, you know, it's the, when you do that Reese's Pieces commercial, then it's like, oh, <laughs> fucking <laughs> but in reality, it's like I would way rather have that job than be making like the coffee for the guy of that mm-hmm. was the director of photography on that Reese's. Right. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah. For me, I kind of gave up on that question once I became a solo performer because mm-hmm. it was just me and it was just my music and it was just my stories. Um, and when I started, you know, really playing out a lot in Phoenix, um, I started doing a lot more shows in 2004, 2005, and all the way through the end of 2006 till I left and moved to LA. And I, I just had to, I just had to get over it. I just had to decide for myself. Um, of course I'm putting myself out there because that's the only way to do this thing that I want to do. Mm -hmm. And other people will decide whether it's worth looking at and listening to or not right um i did at one point you know kind of start to feel like a caricature of myself and so before i left phoenix i had a, i threw a going away show and i i uh drafted a bunch of friends including bob to like do a roast and and one of the jokes was like you know brody is so egotistical that he threw himself his own roast <laughs> and and that's fine but like i just really liked the concept like it was old school like you know friars yes. club kind of thing i thought it was ballsy <laughs> to invite you know that sort of like encouraged criticism yeah it was fun it was fun and like it was definitely aimed at like showing that i didn't take myself that seriously right and that like i recognized that some of what i did on stage was a bit of a character mm-hmm. um who was i showing I was showing somebody like oh yeah i was showing somebody pictures uh we were talking about certain people i've written stories about and and told stories about um i was on simon's show uh, simon satalo i was on her uh, family dinner radio and uh i told a story about an ex-girlfriend there and i was showing her real life pictures of that ex-girlfriend stuff and like there's this shirt i there's this cowboy shirt i always wore and she saw these pictures she's like you really liked that shirt i'm like yes (laughs) i wore that shirt every show yeah and like that was part of like this character that i had become yeah so it was really uh i I, you know and i know that there's this thing in art sometimes and, and this thing and not just art it's it's just kind of a I think the, the, the death of the ego, and I felt like that was what that show was. I was like killing, mm. I was killing my ego on, on stage that, that night. Like I just kind of like laid it out and let, let everybody trash me. And, mm-hmm. um, and I, I did my songs and, and that was it. And I was like, okay, I don't, I don't live here anymore. I won't be doing shows here anymore. You were Goodbye. done with that. Yeah. And so and then I came to LA where like I knew I'd be a small fish in a huge pond. So yeah. It was fine. And so I have not looked back since. I'm right. just doing what I want to do. 
and hoping people enjoy it. And as long as um, you know, there's certain there's certain people who are who who I show my work to first, and uh, once they've said yeah yeah this is we're good with this, <laughs> then then I will share it with the public at large. Mm-hmm. And for however large or small that public might end up being, mm-hmm. it's been about the work, right? Not not about me personally. Even if it's my story, which like Fair Dig is my story, right? So. Plus, I, I just like, you know, something that I've learned from uh, Taryn especially is just that, you know, you can have these very specific stories and these specific things that have happened to you, but people can pull universal lessons from them. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. So, and I don't think that, like, Taryn is to me the, the least self-serving writer I can think of because right. it's really about helping people yeah. through her stories and through her hardships. Mm-hmm. And I try to do that on a small level. I'm mostly trying to entertain and make people laugh about, like, stupid things I've done right um like pursuing martial arts mixed martial arts at age 33 um but but yeah then she's somebody who's like and and same with um Miranda who does telegram I don't know I'm I'm not I've heard of it yeah yeah yeah. so so telegrams are great um uh great zine and and actually a book that's a collection of zines by Miranda there are a uh they're based out of Canada, and, and they're a great writer, um, and and very much about self care and balancing. Miranda um, has been through a lot, a lot of hardships, and dealing with a lot of emotional and, and mental um, instability. Miranda is very honest about that, uh, and and there's lessons from their writing that are really. Uh, can apply to anybody, even if you haven't had the life that Miranda has. Right. So uh, I'm trying to do that yeah. with mind writing a little bit. I don't know what the lesson is yet, but... But the goal is to to connect. Yes, that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that, I, I don't know, while I'm working on a project, I feel like that, I mean, there's this part of it that is profoundly self-serving. Um so cliche but like the idea of therapy is pretty much present with me while I'm making art and then um, about halfway through it I start thinking about how does this communicate to someone else like who is who is the person I'm trying to talk to through this piece and that kind of informs the rest of what I'm working on but like ultimately like I think a lot about like what I want to leave behind, like once I'm dead and uh, what my contribution will be. And um, so I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see how um, ego and the project and like all the energy you're putting into it kind of uh, comes together when you are totally removed from it in death. So um, that's fun stuff to consider. Yeah, the, the, there's there's it occurs to me now that there's two aspects to art. There is I'm going to create my art and and some people create it with the sense of I'm creating it for myself and as an expression of myself and the audience doesn't matter. Um, the audience will come to it or not and mm-hmm. but like this is me and this is my intent and this is uh, the result. And then there's critique of art wherein you can consider all that what the author uh, or artist of the piece 
brought to it, or we can say the the writer is dead, mm-hmm. and all that matters is the effect it has that the work has. Mm-hmm. So, the Miley Cyrus example, we can consider her and her life and her con- the context of what she's been through, and we can consider what managerial influence there was, um, or we can say the author is dead, and we can just talk about the Miley Cyrus video as a piece. Right. In and of itself. Right. So, um, but with things like your art, with things like zines, um, and to a certain extent, I think with punk rock, it's all about the connection between both right. the author and the audience. And sometimes the audience is the author. It's the band plays and some people watch them and then the band comes down and it's the same people who are in the audience who are in the next band. Right. And so... It's all one big happy family. Yeah. I just, I don't think I'd get anything done if I wasn't thinking about the girl I'm trying to communicate to. I would just move on to the next project. Nothing would be shared. Nothing would come to anything. I wouldn't have a website. I wouldn't have any form of social media. I'd be off the radar making food, eating it. Um, and taking pictures of it. And taking pictures of it, but not <laughs> under my name on Instagram. It would just be like this faceless entity who likes food. One thing that's always motivating to me to make is just by virtue of doing, you inspire people in ways that you can't predict or intend. Totally. And that's always, it's, it, it's remarkable just talking to people about how things inspire them or how, you know, what facets of certain things. And, you know, for things that I've done, there's often things that, like, I could never could have meant to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's really great to see, you know, how that manifests someone and how that makes inspiration yeah. to other people go to go and, and make their own thing. Those are the magical moments. And, like, when that stuff happens, you want that moment to freeze. And you're like, I have to be very careful with that. I have to put it in a place where I'm not going to forget it. Where I'm not going to remember, where I'm not going to forget, like what that other person was going through when they found that thing that inspired them, or like what they made from it. Like I, I want to treat it as preciously as I can, probably more precious than I treated my own work. Like that, that is like the huge golden egg at the end of it. Like. That's the stuff you don't want to think about while you're making it because that would be just too much. Right. Yeah. And you really, I mean, and even if you do, there's just other, there's always, you know, just by, by virtue of making things, there's always impacts that you can't predict, forecast, yeah. that come back to you. That's mm-hmm. remarkable. Yeah. What will be the impact of this episode? <laughs> we don't know yet. <laughs> But we can look back at the last 90 minutes and say that we had a fun conversation with some good people. If you're interested in keeping up on Aurora's work, go to auroralady.com. You can also follow her on Twitter at auroralady. And uh, you can check out her shop. That's linked uh, on auroralady.com as well as our site, shakytownradio.com. Aurora, thanks for visiting us. Thanks for having me, you guys. Enjoying some vegan brownies and... uh, Strudel bites. Yeah, some vegan strudel. <laughs> Delicious bites of everything. Yeah. So good. So um, until I Instagram my next meal, <laughs> I am the segway-iest girl in the world, Brody Foster Hubbard. I'm Bob Schreiner. Libby Ward. Prettiest girl in the world, Aurora Lady. Ooh.
Just my money, oh. 